Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live.
Right, Black Power, BB48, my hotel, welcome to Feet on the Ground Radio. This is your brother Born. We're going to get it in nice tonight. We got a, a special guest tonight. We're doing a little interview. We got uh, the Queen Barbara Fair. Uh, Miss Fair, you out there? Yes, I'm here. All right. Well, yeah, we had our, our opening. We had our little our black national anthem playing, you know, a little, a little opening music to get to get the people a nice little feel. Mm-hmm. But, um, but as I said tonight, we, you know, we're gonna talk to talk to the uh, Queen Barbara Fair about her um, her affairs in New Haven and also on the on the ground in Connecticut and her dealings with the uh, prison industrial complex. And just you know the um, we just want to uh, listen to the you know we just want to sit back, listen to the queen, give us some uh, experience from being on the ground, uh, fighting against this uh, wicked racism, white supremacy that we're dealing with, especially dealing with the uh, you know the police officers, 
And so, you know, um, that's what we're going to do. And, Ms. Fair, if you, if you would, you know, just um, introduce yourself, um, you know, let the people know a few things about you, and then, uh, you know, we can I'll, I'll ask some questions and we'll go back and forth. Okay. Well, my name is Barbara Fair, and I was born and raised in New Haven, Connecticut. Um, I went to attended public schools. Um, my first experience with the um, prison system uh, actually occurred when I was in my teens, and um, that's when I first started um, advocating um, for a humane prison system after my brother uh, was incarcerated at a very young age. And prior to that, I didn't know anything about the system. So that, um, you know, was a very painful um, journey, but um, I hooked up with some people in the community, and we worked to have some kind of make sure that, that at least if people went to prison, um, they had to be treated humanely. And and so that's what I did. It was an um, organization called Citizens for Humanizing Criminal Justice. And um, one of the, the biggest things that I recall that we did at that time, which was a long time ago, when, when, when there was only one prison in uh, Connecticut, and that was uh, Summers. And one of the things that we did back then um, was having camp, um, you know, people could camp out on the grounds, and and prisoners, if they were married, could bring their families up um, uh, on a weekend and and stay the whole weekend. At that time, they really cared about families staying in Connecticut. So that was my very first experience um, with um, advocacy. Um, later on, I joined uh, organization for 15 years, uh, People Against Injustice. That was a, a group that had started in New Haven. I joined it, and I stayed with them for about 15 years. And maybe about 10 years ago, maybe not even quite 10 years ago, I kind of branched out on my own and started an organization called My Brother's Keeper. And so that journey has been long. And... Um, there's been many strategies that I tried, and I learned a lot about uh, the prison industrial complex and realizing that uh, at prison at one time was about correcting behavior, but um, it's no longer about that. It's, it's a money-making business, and um, some of the greatest struggles that I have in getting um, to transform the system, because I think it's too uh, broken to fix, but to... Um, what it needs is dismantling and, and and starting over again. But it's the hardest part about that is having people in our community who are so connected and benefit from this system that um, it's hard to find people to, to um, join the struggle with me to do that. No, definitely, definitely. Um, before you go on, I just wanted to go back because uh, some of our first encounters, you know, um, were a little over 10, 10 years ago, you know, um, just doing a couple of protests in New Haven, mm-hmm. um, you know, so I definitely, you know, um, just to say that somebody who I seen on the ground and was, you know, for a, at least I know definitely the past, you know, 15 years, mm-hmm. you know, um, I've, I've, um, yeah, it's definitely, definitely been longer. It's yeah, been about yeah, 30 years so, doing this work now. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm like from the first time that I started to get out in in New Haven. You know, I I see well, you on the ground, and you were someone who was in the forefront then. That's why I, you know that's the thing that I want to stress is that not and not that you were 
it was like you were trying to be in the forefront, but because your voice was just a voice that um, had to be heard and because other people's voices were just se- seemed to be so weak in the crowd. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so that was, uh, you know, that's when the, when the things, uh, when I was speaking about bringing you on today to, to some of the people uh, from in New Haven, that's one of the things that they uh, mentioned was that your voice is a voice that's needed because we don't have people who have a voice out here. People are afraid, right. you know. So <laughs> that's one of the things that I, I think is uh, commendable, and I wanted to just say that real quick. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Uh, well, one, another reason that um, having people fight um, to transform the prison system is that people, um, you find a lot of people don't even care about what happens to um, prisoners. Um, many people think whatever happens to prisoners uh, that they deserve it. So they don't care about the um, the inhumanity, the um, degrading process that, you know, begins when you first enter the prison. So it's been a long, hard journey, and it continues. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I see recently, recently you, uh, you've been working on, on some things, and I see you – you you did something that you know, um, like I said, you you were out there at the police station, you know, and if you could, can you give the people some of the background on just this this latest outing that has been going on here in New Haven, where you had to you know um, go inside the police station and also confront the uh, mayor of New Haven, mm-hmm. and what was the strategy behind that, and how do you feel that it worked? Um, well, this was a situation uh, where a 15-year-old African-American girl um, was body slammed to the ground by an officer. And, um, you know, anybody who's seen that, that um, just was outraged, except for, of course, people who wanted to justify him doing it, were outraged that this is how we treat our kids. I mean, um, the police have been brutalizing our men and our boys, so that's nothing new, but now they have... Uh, escalated to the point now that they'll body slam a girl, and she ended up fracturing her shoulder and had abrasions in her face. And so um, we, you know, we we went to the police department first. We had some speakers outside. We just wanted to get um, the chief to address the issue, you know, because we thought it was wrong, and we couldn't understand how anybody could uh, accept think that this is acceptable behavior. And when we went to the police department, he wasn't there. He was, you know, off on vacation. So we asked to speak to somebody in the police department that, you know, could hear, you know, our concerns. And um, they pretty much ignored us. So these are the strategies you have. You start with just talking to people, see if they'll listen to you. Many times they won't because uh, our voices are just ignored. And so when they ignored us, we said, okay, well, we'll just go out and block a little bit of traffic and see if we can get your attention then. And we managed to do that. Um, So someone came over and talked to us, and we told them what our concerns were. So um, the next day we went to the mayor's office because, of course, she is the one who hires the, the chief and is responsible for the police in our in our community. So we thought we'd go to her and tell her what our concerns were. And um, what happened when we went to her, um, she really didn't want to hear from us either. She asked us to come back, you know, call and get an appointment and come in three weeks. And, and we 
said this is a crisis. We know this this is a policy, but this is a crisis. We don't expect that we're going to wait three weeks to come and see you. Uh, mm-hmm. And the reason for that is because when she took over this office, one of the things she said, there was going to be an open-door um, administration. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's what we expected when we went there. And then to see her just totally ignore us, so we start chanting, and then after maybe about 10 minutes, uh, I guess the administration couldn't take it anymore, so they sent someone out. And he said, you know, we told him, we, you know, very respectfully, we're here to see the um, mayor about this situation. He said, well, um, I'm, I, she sent me out here to help you. I said, well, the only way you can help us is to tell her to come out. So um, he still wasn't planning on um, letting uh, Tony Harp come out. So we escalated our chanting, and then finally um, she decided to come out and see us. And we told her, you know, exactly how we felt about this situation. We wanted the cop off the street because um, if he could do something like this, how do we know any of any of our other kids are safe? So mm-hmm. she did at that point. She called the chief and told him about, you know, the concern and asked him to take the officer off the street. Well, we were very excited about that because, you know, I myself – uh, thought that was like a courageous thing for her to do. And mm-hmm. so we was pleased. So what we found out later, I feel like I was bamboozled because the very next day, the investigation was closed. Now, usually investigations through New Haven Police Department take forever. My daughter's been waiting for one since last August that she put in a complaint against the officer. But because they took this officer off the street, they wanted to quickly get him back to work, and the only way they could do that is to close the investigation, which they did. Within 48 hours, they had all investigated, closed, and that's it. No one's seen the the report on, on how they closed the case so quickly, but that, you know, allowed him to go back to work. Mm-hmm. So uh, from what I'm hearing, he's being retrained because the chief is saying he was trained in Meriden, Connecticut, where the body slam was part of their policy. So the excuse is because he was trained this way, they didn't find any fault with what he did. And so now he's being retrained by, you know, uh, I guess somebody in New Haven and one of those, and the body slamming is not permitted there. My thing is, I don't care what the policy is, how does anybody think slamming a 15-year-old girl on the street is, is okay to do? But that's where it was left at. He was completely exonerated. And so, um, we had another protest the other day outside the police department because we're gonna, we want them to know we're not satisfied. We're not going away just because you said that he's exonerated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and exactly. my problem with the, yeah, and my problem with the mayor and the chief is that I feel they just cowed down to the police union. Uh, there was a rally last Friday. The police union was there. There were officers shouting at us, saying we were thugs and and ghetto and trash, get a job, all those kind of things. Now, these are officers who come in our community and supposed to protect and serve. So, exactly. You know, I've seen that, I seen that scene um, out there. You know, um, I caught the bird's eye view, you know, everything that was going on. And it seemed very volatile. Um, especially on the officer's behalf. And that's the thing that we're dealing with is that, you know, um, one, of the, one of the things that is even uh, more courageous on your part, and I'm, and 
I'm glad that you, you know, you came on and I, and I know that you don't mind doing interviews is because it's dangerous dealing with these type of people. It is. This is not like you're dealing with. Yeah, you know, it's not like you're dealing with. Especially when you don't have the the, um, backing of the community, which we didn't. You know, a few people came out, but the the huge crowd that they brought out and the way they were, um, you know, behaving. I mean, it was officers who were ready to fight some of the guys in our group. That's how how bad it got. And then they had to get some officers to um, make a line separating on on both sides. But this Mm -hmm. is a, uh, these are officers who actually the, the mayor and the chief were having a press conference. They just came right in and just crafted um, the press conference and just chanted, you know, they wanted to get rid of both of them. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just hard to understand that because what job do you have where you can tell your supervisor off, tell your supervisor's supervisor off, and still have your job? Still have your job. Now, that's what I said. Mm-hmm. And then, then we got, like, it's like an eternal fight going on mm-hmm. where, you know, you got officers on two different sides of a line, some of them dealing with the police union, some back the captain, some back, some of them, um, you know, some of them don't want to be involved at all. But because, mm-hmm. and as you say, you know, when when you get the police union going, they calling all officers, everybody who off duty at that point in time is coming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because they run like any, they run like the the most well organized gang we've seen. You know, you can't get a gang better organized than this right here. Yeah, that's so, true. So you know, and and I see, and, and you know, as you say, as as you say, we have to really look at how they would they are allowed to rush in they came in just um interrupted without any you know there's going to be in no repercussions uh-huh. and this is where we like how is it you know we have to find um you know when we're dealing with this politically it's like how do you find a way to solve a problem like this where you you don't have anyone who has any control over these officers uh-huh. besides other wild officers that's it because uh, clearly the mayor and nor the chief had any control over what these officers um, did on that day. I felt like I was at a Klan rally, and like I said, it got uh, almost to the, a point of uh, physical violence um, just because we were out there protesting what they were doing. But the, but the the bottom line is, even with the way they publicly humiliated the two of them, they came out. And, and publicly stated, we are backing a police officer. So, you know, that that's, that's the hardest part for me. And when I left that uh, rally that day, the message was clear to our community that the union is running this city, not not um, the mayor. So mm-hmm. that, that was a little disheartening. Because the mayor, the, you know, we're looking at a situation where, like I said, you know, we have to honestly see that we're dealing with a gang. And the mayor ain't got enough guns to deal with that firepower mm-hmm. that they're dealing with over there. So, they got the, so, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, she's going to have to kowtow to, the, to, that, um, to that pressure. Because, yeah. you know, they put that pressure of fear. Because, you know, I know she was afraid. Because the officers come in, they're like, listen, man, we... We wild ghouls, and we're going to stick together no matter what. Mm-hmm. All the officers know we're yep. going to stick together. Yeah. So if they go down, no matter what happened, we all going to stick together. We'll all go down together, or we'll all come out clean. Yeah. yeah. 
they're one of the fortunate things. There are a lot of um, there wasn't too many African American or Latino officers. There were there were a few samples out there, but uh, for the most part, um, they were not part of the um, you know this this rally. All right, that's good. You know, we got every every once in a while. You know, we got to be an uncle. T- uh, Uncle Thomas out there. Oh, sure, sure. You know, <laughs> Cooney Brown got to make sure that he offers a Cooney Brown, got to make sure he show his face because that, it wouldn't be right. Yeah. It wouldn't be right. And then but the mom what? of the officer who slammed the girl had a sign that she was proud of her son. And I'm saying, what mother would be proud of a grown man slamming a 15-year-old child in the street, fracturing the shoulder? What kind of mother would be proud of that? And then she brought um, his, I guess it's the, I don't know if it's the foster child or whatever, but she was biracial and she had her holding the sign. She's bi, she's Joshua's biracial daughter. And then she came to me and she said, um, do, do you know Josh has a biracial sister? I said, and what exactly does that mean? Because so did the slave master have biracial children. So I'm not understanding what's the point of telling me that, that this is Josh's biracial sister. So I mean, it was it was a mess. <laughs> what kind of what kind of clan shit was that? Oh, that that was some straight now now scene. And and then they think that they they telling us something that's going smooth something over. Yeah. Like we like we idiots. We could just go yeah. okay, okay, Miss Ann. Okay, Miss Ann. <laughs> I was, I was understand now. <laughs> he said he's a good guy. He's one of the good ones. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then I good. came to find out um, recent, more, more recent, in the last couple of days, I found that uh, the officer has another lawsuit pending in Milford where he also is being charged with excessive force, something that happened at Toad's Place in New Haven, but the resident was a Milford resident. And he's um, he has a pending lawsuit against him already. So this is not his first time doing this. You know, they the police try to, you know, hold him up like he's a little um, a Boy Scout, but that's not true when I found the other lawsuit that, that's pending in Milford. So, um, oh, I don't know. I, I, I think we this is an officer that really should not be on the street, but will we have the backing of the community to say that? I don't know. But I asked the chief, you know, when do you say that this officer doesn't deserve to be on our streets? When he kills somebody? Because he's already showing that he has a pattern of abuse, mm-hmm. but you know New Haven accepts these, these these kind of officers, and many times they'll fight and they, and sometimes even lose their jobs and get criminal charges. And uh, the the union is so powerful they end up getting their job back. Getting the job back, yeah. Mm-hmm. The union, mm-hmm. yeah. The union here um, definitely makes sure a lot of officers who've been uh, who you know just been blatantly you can see them. You could see the aggression, the pattern. You know, you could see them abusing people mm-hmm. and things of this nature, and they and the union makes sure that they get them jobs back, no matter what. Go, I'm New so Haven is a wonder. Somebody, it's, somebody's trying to get me, so you might hear this ringing in my phone. Oh, all right, all right. Okay. But, um, yeah, we we'll we'll make sure that we bypass that. We won't we won't um we won't be missing out for it. That's just you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, but um, now dealing with now, as you said, as a strategy, how do you mm-hmm. think? You know, we we really want to you know one of the things that I want to work on is striving to um, better get the youth connected. Is mm-hmm. it? 
you know, do you got any plans on? Because some of the things that I think that the youth don't understand, they really don't have a context for what's going on. They're not being taught in school what's happening to them, but they know something is happening. They can feel, they can feel what's going on. That's why they just go so wild because nobody is really explaining to them, um, you know, how the how this culture has been created around them, how they how they are forcing them into the pipeline to prison. You know, and, and that's what that that's what's unfortunate because they don't know their history. They might think that this is some new thing. Uh, the way they are being treated today, but this goes all the way back from from the institution of slavery. Nothing's really changed in this country except the face that they put on things. We went from slavery, and they said slavery was abolished. Um, people don't read the entire uh, amendment because there's an amendment that says it's abolished unless someone is, is serving time for a crime. So once that amendment got put in place, now you've seen the prison industry just just growing and growing and growing because as long as they're in prison, you can enslave them. So you have all these businesses coming, you know, showing up um, and, and hiring the prisoners to work all day for maybe uh, a dollar a day or something. And so they, they do they produce so much product at um, mm-hmm. next to slave wages. And so when, when um, we went from slavery to Jim Crow laws and then they got rid of out uh, law, you know, the Jim Crow laws, now we have the war on drugs, which started June 17, 1971, and ever since then, right after we started getting some civil rights, right after that came the war on drugs, and the war on drugs is doing the exact same thing that slavery did. It, it's mm-hmm. like the worst policy since slavery, and people don't see that, and when you don't know your history, you can't make that connection. And you know what else came out right then and there? I'm going to tell you something that happened right there in that 1970. You know, that's when they uh, redefined homosexuality. That's when the real influence of the feminization of black men and that, uh, of the black man and a mm-hmm. real hard, they restructured how they were doing eugenics. They restructured Planned Parenthood and stuff like that. It, really, mm-hmm. it was like a trifecta. They, like, threw it all in on us at one, at one time, real, you know. But um, that was an excellent point that you made between the – prison system now and how it is just a um, new rendition of yeah. the slave of the slave system is is no yeah. is no different and one of the things I wanted to, wanted to say when you mentioned the constitution there's nothing I I have yet I've read nothing in there not one time have I read anything where it changed mm-hmm. the negro from being three fifths to a whole human. I have not read that anywhere where it said Negro or African American is now a human. There's nothing in there has ever changed. They just use some slick language. Mm-hmm. They use slick language, you know, and as you said, when um, it says that you're duly convicted of a crime. Mm-hmm. And, being, and being a free black man is a crime or a free black woman. Mm-hmm. It's a crime. That's criminal enough here in America to, uh, you know, to treat you like a slave. And also we have the Dred Scott decision, which we can plainly see where, where Justice Taney laid out, uh, you know, plainly that, listen, there is no uh, right that uh, a black man that's has yeah, that a yeah, white man has white to respect. Has respect. That's right. And you know, like you said, nothing has really, really 
truly changed. We, I think we got little rights in the 60s and fell asleep since then, and we've been asleep ever since. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what it's going to take to wake us up. Our, our men and boys unarmed are being killed every 28 hours in, in, in America that we know of, maybe even more so. And yet, where is the true outrage in our community? You look at the war on drugs, you, you, you would think that nobody used or sold drugs but African-Americans and Latinos because you see the huge disparity in, in, um, in this war on drugs. But it's, it's, it's as a result of selective enforcement. If you mm-hmm. enforce these laws, first you pass these laws, and then enforce them in selective communities, of course it's going to look like uh, African-Americans and Latinos commit more crime. No, because and, and, that's the way it was purposely done. And then look at what else they put out. Then you and then you couple that with the with the change in what the music was saying. And you mm-hmm. South Central, you couple that with South Central. You got New Jack City. You couple mm-hmm. that along with along with those themes replaying them inside of people's heads. Everything came out was as though it put into people's minds that this is what we do. We yeah. criminals. We sell drugs. This is this this is just. This is the place for us, and mm-hmm. uh, you know when you uh, we were speaking earlier about the um, you know earlier this week we were talking about whether or not we were slaves or whether or not we were kidnapped. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when I talk about people who are in prison, I look at them as people who have been kidnapped. One of our yeah. one of my co-hosts also always makes sure that he points that out that this is a kidnapping and they're asking for a ransom. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and what they did was public outcry. That's mm-hmm. why this continues to happen. There's just no real outcry from our communities. And many times it's because we are getting jobs in this whole uh, industrial complex. Yeah. The prison what? industrial complex is not only just about prisons. It's about the probation officers, the parole officers, uh, the drug testers, the, the people who make the monitoring bracelets, um, the people, people serving the food. treatment programs. It, it's it's, yeah. it's, it's huge mm-hmm. and a lot of us are employed in that system and that's why you don't see a huge outcry from the black community about this mass incarceration of our families mm-hmm. you're definitely right to so a lot of people eat off of it I, you know you just said a couple of different uh, uh, a couple of different agencies and some of them I didn't even think of but yeah they, it's, it is a, a situation where they have they have it spread out so far that you you are directly um, affected, and, and your your living is 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 placed upon is based upon what yeah. is going on in this prison system. Your, mm-hmm. You know, your livelihood is based upon this prison That's system. That's right. So you're not going to be opposed to it. Mm-hmm. And then you got the DCF system that that steals our kids from our families all the time and and give them to other people. Uh huh. And you, see and that you know. Too? That's a whole nother thing. We we had um we had family up here where we discussed the DCF system where that's something else that we you know we always like to make sure to get the people aware of who had their children taken, placed in the foster care and molested. Mhm. And you then know, you and know then, after they got the the people in the parent lot you know take the dad first and the moms and then once you got them in prison now they pass legislation that said if you're out of your child's life a certain amount of time you lose your rights to your kids. So mm-hmm. I mean just so contrived that for some reason we don't see it or we don't want to see it because we're benefiting from that system. You know, 
I think that it's, it's selective ignorance. And mm. um, another thing is that, you know, post-traumatic slave syndrome exists. Like I was saying about the term slave, like when you put a term on a people like that and they accept mm. that, that they were slaves, slavery, when you define it, it's a perpetual thing. It means that you will always be on this bottom rung. And I think that by us accepting that, it subconsciously puts us in a way where we feel like anything that we get is okay. Yeah. Even if they're killing us, it's okay. Shh, don't say nothing because they might kill more of us. No, uh-huh. they're going to do this regardless. It's not like a fight. that This is not a situation where we're in where we have to worry about declaring war on somebody else. They've already declared war on you. So sooner yeah. or later, it's coming to your door. Now, mm-hmm. it's, what are you going to do about it? And I think that we need to, I think that some of those things need to be put more in context. Um, you know, maybe later on we'll be able to work together because I think we need to put together a couple of symposiums that really hit hard on the terminology and defining exactly the reason to be out here. And I think together we might be able to pull some energy together, get some of these younger, these younger kids, because there's youth out here that I talk to who uh-huh. understand what the system is doing. But they just don't have any connections to elders to be able to guide some of their energy. So, you know, it, right. a lot of time it get way laid off. So I think that, we, you know, we need to maybe put together a couple of symposiums where we can definitely just really speak to the issue and bring in some of these youth and let them yeah. know exactly what it is. And, and, and it's hard to get elders a lot of time because the elders are so uh, censored, um, by jobs and positions, politics and all of that, that they don't even say anything about what's going on. And mm-hmm. so, it, it, you know, like I said, my hardest struggle in, in activism is not only, say, if I'm talking about police brutality, it's not only the police that I have to fight. I have to fight some of our own people who mm-hmm. don't want any waves made, you know, don't want to make mass them mass bad because mm-hmm. they might lose the job, so they're not saying anything. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, that's definitely, that's one, you know, that's one of the things that we, we've learned here in this slave system. You know, it's, it's a culture of making sure that we, we bow down and mm-hmm. we don't want to accept what's going on. I, I'd like to ask a question, though, for, you know, because you do get out in the bottom. I'd like to just ask, uh, what are some of the best strategies that you see that, you know, we're working with trying to get uh, prisoners better care and things of that nature, things that, you know, that regardless, they're going on. Because a lot of people, like, you know, we might not be able to change this policy and that policy, you know, as regarding to what's dealing with the police. But we, regardless to whom or what, uh, and I'm really saying this to the people in the audience, regardless to whom or what, we have people who are behind bars. So there are things that we, you know, I I would just want you to, you know, expound on anything that you think that we could do to help some of the people out who are behind bars um, you know, just you know, just any little tidbits that that uh, the people out there might need. Well, uh, first of all, the the most important thing uh, that prisoners need from the outside is family support. Because if you're on the inside and nobody's visiting you, you're not getting any phone calls, no letters, or nothing. Then the officials inside uh, assume nobody cares about you, so they can treat you any kind of way. See, my policy, while people are talking about let's work on reentry, my my uh, goal is let's work on no entry. Let's stop allowing these legislators to pass all of these laws that criminalize norm, norm and, you know, normal behavior. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what's 
putting people in prison. I mean, our children are going to prison for things that we did as kids. You get in a fight, yeah, you know, you brush it off, you're, you're, you know, you might go to the principal's office. Not today. You get in a fight in school today, and you're going to get handcuffed and put in the, in, in the um, juvenile justice system. That's what's wrong is these legislators are passing all these thousands of policies and criminalizing our society, and that's why so many people are pushed in the system. Now, once they get in there, I mean, they just totally take advantage of you. And the worst part, once you get out of prison, say you got in a car accident and got a lawsuit, they will send you a bill. The state will put a lien on that lawsuit and send you a bill for your incarceration. So not only do they take your life from you and your livelihood they, and separate you from your family, they all, and some many times, come back home and you're homeless. On top of all of that, if you ever come into any kind of money, they will put a lien on it and charge you for your incarceration. So we, we have just allowed this prison system just to just steamroll all over us, and we just not saying anything. You saying so, you know, it's just, all right, I get locked up. <laughs> all right, I thought I'm paying my debt to society while I'm locked up. That's why, you know, a lot of crimes come with fines. This is something that I learned is that a lot of crimes that people commit come with fines. Mm-hmm. And if you can pay the fine, you don't got to do the time. That's right. And so white people get out of a lot of different crimes. I've learned that white people get out of a lot of different crimes by paying the fine. They'll pay That's right. That's right. Or going in the program. Yeah, they'll pay because a fine. Because they can afford the programs. Yeah, they'll pay the fine, pay the program, and uh, this, I'm about it. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's something wrong with you saying that even if I um, am incarcerated, that this incarceration will not count towards me paying back whatever mm-hmm. I've done to the system. Mm-hmm. That in turn, you can still charge me for mm-hmm. subpar living at the same yeah. time. As though you were staying in a hotel getting excellent treatment. Treatment, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, mm-hmm. Like I was in the Sheraton for the last three, four years. I was up in the Sheraton. Mm-hmm. You know, the high agency. And you know how that came about? When um, one of the prisoners that might have been, I can't remember which one it was, but I think it was somebody on death row uh, had wrote a book, and they wanted to keep people like that from making money. So, that, so of course, Connecticut legislators got together and put this bill together that says you're going to pay for your incarceration if you come in to any money. So they're trying to hurt that one person, keeping them from get, making money. Now, Someone can come out of prison and be poor, and like I said, have a lawsuit, hit the lot or whatever, the state's coming after you. After you. So that's why we have to be very careful what these legislators do, because the bills mm-hmm. they put together can come can turn around being so much more than they supposedly started out to be. And mm. I don't know with some of these bills that they policy that they pass that really clearly discriminate against communities of color. It just makes me want to. Uh, uh, legislators of color asleep. I mean, how do some of these things pass? You know, a lot of you know a lot of legislators. You know, uh, from what I from what I've seen and and I I've watched a lot of different people who go up there. A lot of them are fraternity people. You know, especially mm-hmm. the blacks. They either fraternity or sororities. And fraternity and people who are in fraternities or sororities have um, historically been gatekeepers for racism, white supremacy. Uh-huh. They they normally stand in the gap, you know, uh-huh. and and make sure that they looking out for what's going on 
they there we're we're in our community they seem like they're the ones that we should put in there. Mm-hmm. But when, but when they get in there, they only there to do the bidding for 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 boss. They doing boss job. You know, mm-hmm. I've seen this I've seen this too many times is is going on right now in New Haven, in Connecticut. We got you know, we got these type of handkerchief head Negroes in there who uh we're on you know, if we look talking about skin tone, you would think mm-hmm. one thing. Mm-hmm. But when we talk about uh ideology it's something totally different. Like you said, you know, many of them are gatekeepers to the system. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing that I noticed about New Haven, New Haven has politics where a lot of, I didn't really know that, uh, you know, until, start, until I started to really look into Tony Harp, I really didn't know that she really was not from Connecticut, mm-hmm. not really from New Haven like that, that she just really more as a political figure in Connecticut more than anything. After yeah, her college. I think they said she came here to go to Yale, yeah, and then probably settled after that. Yeah, yeah, after her college years. Yeah, mm-hmm. she settled after her college years. So she's really not a New Haven person. One thing is that I see that there's a lot of people who get in, who live here for a while, but they really not New Haven people. Mm-hmm. You know, or, and they, I think they, or they live in the, uh, that other. Because you know there's at least two New Havens within New Haven. There's this very entrenched poverty New Haven, and then there's the affluent New Haven. Affluent New Haven, yeah. yeah so if they want to uh, operate in New Haven, they, they move out into those affluent areas, and they can still say they're New Haveners. Yeah, and exactly. that's what some of them do. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, we don't they really, really you know, can't connect with the, with the um, people who are living in poverty. Yeah, with the people who live in the community. Yeah, and that was my and that was my whole thought right there is that they they don't know how to make a connection with the people in the community, and so and the people in the community are not really we not readily seeing this. I mm-hmm. think the next mayoral campaign though that we really can get the people's eyes open into some other things because they're not seeing this. I'm still offended that they got this gun range over here. Mm-hmm. Where yeah. I'm like, what the? That was supposed like, to you. You would expect that would have got. Uh, taken care of with the with a black mayor in office, you would have thought we had a cute house now. So it's like we've had expectations of the mayor that have not came through. I mean, we're getting a lot of luxury apartments being built and a lot of um, high high price stores being um, all throughout downtown and 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 moving into um, Dixville area. I mean, those kind of things are happening. But where's the connection with the people living in poverty where you can open up the Q house or, or open up uh, a huge uh, grocery store or, you know, any of that stuff? What, what happened to all the black businesses? Mhm, and and you know that's what, and I think that that's one of the things this this year that I'm gonna really have to you know I really want to make sure I make note of when I'm dealing with the uh, community when uh when election times come come around and even before then is just making sure the emphasis on how we are not getting anything that we want out of this situation here. Yeah. I was telling people, you know, I was telling people early that look, man, don't vote. I would rather I, I said listen. I said, look, man. If y'all want to do anything as a black as a black group, we should all throw, take our vote and throw it on to the white man. The little the, what was what the little what was that little skinny white man name? Uh, the the one Elker? who was trying to be be for mayor. What was his name? Elker. 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 Yeah. Yeah. 
Not because and not because I thought Ellica would do something good, but if we threw our votes on him, he would owe us something. Mm-hmm. See, with a, with a black person, they, she felt like she don't owe us nothing. Our votes just belong to her because of her color. She felt yeah, like because that's of how, the people, people, the unions and stuff who supported her, that's where the allegiance is. Mm-hmm. And, I said, and it's man, sad I just, because I don't think there's going to be anybody um, uh, contending her, uh, opposing her. I think she's going to be uh, a shoo-in for the election. A, election, so yeah. be more of the same. Unless mm-hmm. some candidate comes out. So far, it's just just uh, Mayor Harp. Mayor Harp, yeah. I, and I'm, I'm, I was looking at. It, I said, man, come on, what kind of mess is this? I'm like, yo, I, I, I felt like that would have been the best thing. And and like I said, only because when you're looking at it politically, he had known that he owed us something, and the only way that he was in there was because of that, and the only way that he could move on was because of that. So then when you know you could play with people when when they owe you something, but she don't have no allegiance to us, and she not. Uh, she's not accountable to us. And, and we're not demanding any accountability. So we have to take some onus on um, yeah, um, getting nothing because we don't demand anything. Join D. Join yeah, D. we're too busy, too busy uh, being happy with a pat on the head. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we definitely, you know, um, Sister Fair, I definitely believe that uh, in the future, though, uh, we could we could definitely put together some type of symposiums to be able to get to, to get get some more of the word out or figure out a way to put out a, a small little newsletter. As I was telling y'all, I'm looking to put out a small newsletter, and I think that it would be important to, you know, uh, I'll definitely make sure that I stay in contact with you to, to see some of the most important things, and then let's just try to get information disseminated across all across the city at the mm-hmm. least. You know, we, we got to wake the people up, and I mm-hmm. think that that's something that, that we need, uh, independent, like, newsletter, just just mm-hmm. going out to the people with real solid information on what's going on in the, in the community, we, what you need to vote on, what you don't need to vote on. If you vote, if you're a voting type of person, what meetings you should come to, where they holding these meetings at, you know, just so you can be aware of politically what's going on, uh, you know, any type of training classes, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and not being afraid to speak up because that's our big issue. We are so, everything is so political that people are afraid to speak up about anything. And mm-hmm. that's how we're being controlled. Yeah. You know, the, the, the shackles are still on a lot of black minds. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what, that's what we have to work on is putting people out here in the streets who are willing to, who are willing to say something. You got to have your voice. Mm-hmm. You got, you know, and that's one of the things, like I said, that's why, that's why uh, a lot of people see you as important is because you you give the image to the people that, listen, you don't have to be afraid That's of these right. people. You don't have to be afraid of them, man. They people just like you. You can say what you got to say. Say what's on your mind. And, and mm-hmm. that's something that's always needed is somebody that, that you can stand out there and say, look, hey, if she's doing it, and, that, and that's what I think is, is something that the young men – that I got some young men that I definitely want to make sure, and I've already told them, you know, I've I seen the article from you and, and sent the article to them, but they, um, you know, and I'm just like, listen, look to the women. Is And one thing that I know about looking to the women is that it puts you in a situation as a man that if she's standing up like that, you got to, you got to stand up too because you got to protect her because that's mama out there. Mm-hmm. That's mama out there on the line. And if she says it's time to fight, if she says it's time to be out here, then that's where it's time to be at. It's it yeah. no choice. 
you know. So I, I definitely, you know, I make sure that the the young men are on to you. And if you could, can you, can you give that uh, your your organization again? Can the people find it online? No, because what I've been doing, lady, my organization was my brother's keeper, and you know it's been hard trying to support all these other groups, and like I go all over the country um, doing stuff. So I kind of fell back on the organization and 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 spend most of my time invested in just supporting other organizations and what they're doing. And when I have to step out, like I had to do for this 15-year-old because other organizations were not stepping up to the plate, wasn't complaining, I'll do that. But as, um, as far as being, you know, being that organizer that I'm on a website and all that, I don't have all that. I just do the work. No, I feel you. That's, you know what? And that's where I'm at with it. I, I, we was, we was looking around. You know, I got a couple of people that I deal with, and like, I work with the, I work with the kids right here in the community. That's one of the things mm-hmm. that I'm just like, yo, mm-hmm. I'm like, listen, I can't be at every rally. I've gotten the situation, but when I was, when I could be out there and know that I could run strong, and I've roll, I rolled through a couple of these rallies, mm-hmm. but I know that I can put some work in with the, with the youth right now and yeah. keep them from having to deal with that. You know what I'm saying? That bullshit that's going to come along and, and give them a mind state on how to deal with the bullshit that's going to come, with, yeah. you know, with that's, being that's, a black yeah, man or woman. Yeah, that's what we have to do. Because if we look around for what they call black leadership, um, we could forget, you know, them. They're not, they're not putting their necks out because it might mean that they might lose a job or a position. Yeah. Or mm. they're not they're not stepping out. They're not stepping out. So we have to help our children, give them a future and hope that things can be better. No, definitely. You know, one of the things that I say, you know, I I look at myself getting in this wheelchair and I say to myself, it it gave me a chance to slow down and be able to work with those who, you know, be able to slow down and work with the children that I was that I that I know that I'll be running so much doing other things that I wouldn't mm-hmm. have a chance to work with and wouldn't nobody else be able to get to them. And, mm-hmm. I, and, and I don't have anything that I got no fear of. I don't, have, I, I don't got no worries. I'm not beholden to nobody. Nobody can call me and say, listen, listen, man, I don't like what you just said. You mm-hmm. got to retract that. That's you it, know, you can't it. call into the show. You can't call our show and say, listen, we ain't like what you said on the show. Our show was African first, second, and third, mm-hmm. you know, um, we listen. If white people got an opinion, good. Keep it on your show, cause over here we don't need it. We can do our own thing over here. And we got our own opinion. So that's and that's how we do over here. So you know, I, I definitely agree with you. You have to be in a position where you don't have that that boss over your shoulder. Right, right. You know, because I heard even a, for this last rally that we had that um, the Board of Aldermen uh, were told, now that's what I heard, I don't know what, how true it is, but I know none of them showed up, but I heard that they were told not to show up. Mm. There's different clergy told don't show up. Yeah, it, it, so you can't depend on, on people like that anymore. No. They're, I, they're, being, they're being told what not to do and what to do, and they're not stepping across that line. They're on the plantation. Mm-hmm. And you know the church... You know, hey, listen, over here we don't give the church too much love over here. It ain't nothing against it ain't nothing against anything else. It's against your politics, Mr. Church. Yeah. Your church, all that what are they all that God and Jesus you talking to and you ain't doing nothing to walk in. So we don't give mm-hmm. the church too much love over here. Pastor Peter mm-hmm. Deacon Do Dirty and the rest of these jokers, you know, they're a bunch of 
they don't like me too much. They don't like me too much. They, I used to go to a couple of their meetings, and they just pretty much shunned Brother Bond. They said he's just, he's not coming here to be nice with us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't play nice with them but people. But, you know, that's, that, comes, that comes with real activism. You have to always remember, they didn't like Mamiya. They didn't like Mandela. They didn't like Martin Luther King. They certainly didn't like Malcolm X, Harriet Tubman, Frederick Douglass. And that's how I look at it. You know, I don't care that that uh, people don't like me because they didn't like people that I respected. The one, the ones I just named, I respected all of them. And Already. people didn't like them either, so. Already. I wear it with a badge of honor. Yeah, definitely. I, I love walking in the, you know, and I love walking in them lines of Marcus Garvey, Harriet mm-hmm. Tubman. Ida B. Wells, Fannie mm-hmm. Hamer, you know, these are the yeah, people that we give praise to. Yeah, these mm-hmm. are the people we give praise to on this line over here. You know, we give praise to Nat Turner, Darby, mm-hmm. Khalid Abdul, yeah. Muhammad, the people that you ain't going to like. You just ain't going to like mm-hmm. what they got to say because they're going mm-hmm. to they be honest about, about what's freedom. going on. They're about freedom for our people, and they're not, not going to like you. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, we got a couple callers on the line, and uh, I just want to open up and see if, you know, some of the family want to, want to ask a question or just, you know, or just speak, being on the line. Mm-hmm. So uh, let me see what's going on. Uh, brother Little, you out there? I see my brother out there. I see a couple of people on the line. South Carolina. Black Power, Blue Fortier. Blue What's going on, Brother Cause? How are you? I'm doing good, you know. I uh, just wanted to pay homage to the sister on the line. Um, you know, I'm I'm from New Haven, and I, I've worked side-by-side side with her, and uh, it's just good to, to hear that she's still in the fight, not that I thought she would ever um, lighten up. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You know, but... Um, you know, since I've moved, uh, I've I've been paying a lot of attention to what's been going on in New Haven and around the country. And it's, honestly, it was only a matter of time before um, a situation that happened to the young young black female uh, with the mm-hmm. police officer occurred, so that people could, you know, you had a situation with Tamir Rice where he where they just went up to him and shot him in cold blood. Yeah. And so for the situation that happened in New Haven, you know, New Haven is a hotbed. Um, for I'll say uh, political oppression of our people, mm-hmm. um, and it, it kind of sets the tone when you look at what's going on in New Haven. Um, it kind of reflects everything that's happening with with our black communities around the country, and so um, you know that's that's just one of the things I'm still I still find myself closely connected to is that uh, sense of community and that direct struggle, like that direct activism confronting the mayors and. Uh, police departments and things like that because, again, like you said, our people are, um, they kind of numb to it all. And so I just want to commend you for doing that, Bob, still doing it. Well, and, thank uh, you. Thank you for coming on the show tonight. Okay, thank you very much. And take care. Yeah, you definitely, uh, like I say, you know, um, definitely respected in the community amongst the people. Well, I and, appreciate uh, that. You know, so that's all. It's, it's always a good thing to be respected by the by the community. Um, mm-hmm. Let me see if anybody who in the chat room, chat room, y'all want to put anything. Again, we are uh, brother, brother. You out there? 
Sit my brother little out to you. Alright. Oh, oh, all right. He got he got his uh oh oh um uh, um my my co host he kinda sick. That's what he just now yeah, hit me with a text. My co host kinda kinda sick out there. But are there any other um I wanted to also ask you, are there any other rallies, anything that you wanted to put out to the people, any information, any rallies going on in the community, um things that they should be notified about or be aware of that's coming up soon that they should get out to? Well, one of the new, another strategy, because I said I, I've tried so many di- different ones, but another strategy I tried out today was attending the uh, what they call the ComStat meeting. It's um, it's a meeting of all the police officers, chiefs, and all of that. They all sit around in a room, probation officers, parole, you know, the entire prison industrial complex, uh, sit around the table to talk about crime statistics and behavior. And so, you know, there's a community portion where community can say something um, about what's going on in New Haven. And so it would be nice if the room was packed sometime with people in the community uh, having something to say about um, policing. And and that's every Thursday morning on the fourth floor uh, from 10 to 12. So that's something else where the community can have some input. Um, April 18th. Uh, I think it's going to be at 2 o'clock. We're going to have um, a community town, like a town hall meeting at Stetson Library. Um, that's going to be coming up. I'm hoping people will come out to that. So um, April 7th, there's going to be um, a panel discussion about juvenile justice and solitary confinement. Now, that's going to be at Yale. Um there's another discussion, it's a play in a discussion um, that's going on between the 25th of March, and I think it's going until April 19th. It's going to be a, sh- uh, a play called Brownsville Song, and it's about a young man who, you know, was on the right road trying to, you know, go to school, go to college, do all that stuff, and how he ended up um, getting caught up and, 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 and murdered. And so uh, after each play, there's a, a brief discussion about how people felt about the play and what's going on. So trying to get a lot of young young people to go to that, even though they live it, uh, sometimes just seeing it and, you know, can open up their mind to some, you know, maybe some changes they might want to make in their own lives. So right now those are the things that I noted are going on. All right. Um, let me see. I'm going to look out there in my audience. Uh, Sue are you out there? All uh, right, we'll go down the line. Uh, Sister Camille, are you out there? I see y'all numbers out there. I don't know what's going on. Y'all phone not muted. Well, um, our lines is open right now. We got this. We got the Sister Barbara Fair on the line. If anybody wanted to ask a question, I see y'all in the chat room. If there's anybody in the chat room. Um, had a question. We got several people on the line, but uh, you know they they quiet on the line. They must be listening into that wisdom. Oh. Well, I'm really pushing people to show up for the town meeting on the 18th. That's going to be really important. It'll be a people's opportunity to talk about uh, how they feel about crime and policing in New Haven. So it's really important to get people out. And that's, that's April 18th. 
You said that's 8 at the and what, Library what time, at Bixle Avenue. And what time is that again? At, um, I, I believe it's 3 to 5, if I'm not mistaken. But I'm going to get a flyer out. But I think she said 3 to 5, we can have the library. All right. Well, listen, y'all, is, uh, it'll be 3 to 5, um, April 18th. That's in Library, New Haven, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it'll be a town meeting. Uh, come get your come get your word. Come get the word out. Um, get your word in and get the word out that the people are meeting together. It's time for us to um, get together and go ahead and move forward with a objective. That's one of the things that I've that I've learned and um, talking to uh, some other people in the community. That one thing that we could do is that people have a lot of different ideologies, but if we can come together on one objective and take mm-hmm. that on, then then maybe we can work on an objective. Now let's let's not try to work work together. Let's just see if we can find an objective and work on that one objective. So um, I think that I think that that town hall meeting will uh, be uh, well that town meeting will be a wonderful thing. And that's April 18th, man. We'll we'll make sure that we uh, advertise that uh, before that comes up in the in the following weeks. We'll definitely make sure that we get that in. Good, good. Make you know? sure as many voices. Uh, out as we possibly can. Uh, all right, definitely, definitely. Uh, again, let me see. Sister Camille, are you out there now? I'll see you on the line. Black Power, BB48. Uh, BB48, all right, then, you know. I just want to say, I'm uh, a sister. Um, her dedication to our people is admirable. And I just thank want to know, um, oh, please, thank you, Queen. Um, has uh, New Haven, has, has the um, police in New Haven always had a contentious uh, approach to our community there? Is this a long history? In my, in my opinion, it's been a long history. There was uh, a few years when um, we had a chief who was trying to introduce community policing uh, where it wouldn't be such a contentious relationship, um, but that's long gone. And now we have so many officers, majority officers, uh, I think it's like 60% now, that don't even live in New Haven. So you have all these officers coming from suburban towns who only come here um, you know, in our city and patrol our cities, and they really don't have any connection to the people. I don't think they love the people, which is uh, what some I forgot someone said before. You can't serve a people that you don't love, and I really don't think that uh, many of these officers love our people. They see us as thugs and, and, and trash, which is what some officers said recently, and so this is what we have. Wow. Um, do you think that the community would be able to gain enough support to require some kind of residency for the police in order for them to police in your in the community? Um, they have a state law that won't allow that, so I don't know. They would have to change state law. And then again, that would mean people would have to come out and make some demand. They'd have to go to legislative hearings, and, you know, we just don't tend to do that. When you go to Hartford, where all the um, legislation is being passed, when you go up there, um, you're you're lucky if you see uh, a black face here and there. So, you know, if we don't go and demand anything, we're not going to get anything. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest problem is we have to we have to make some demands. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Stop allowing these people that don't care anything about us govern our lives. We got to stop that. So, Camille, you got anything else you want to add on? No, just a black power to the sister, and um, I, I support the work she's doing, and um, maybe one day she can uh, give some lessons on how to start an organization. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we definitely, definitely, we definitely, um, you know, got sister, sister fears a uh, friend to the room. You know, she's definitely welcome back in at any point in time. Um, this is, as we, as you know, for all the people out there in the audience, it's Think Tank Thursday. We got a our, our guest in here is um, Sister Barbara Fair from out of New Haven, Connecticut, uh, community activist, a people's activist. Where you know, what I mean. I would say more of a people activist than a community activist because she's always where the people at, making sure that she can do the best for her people. Um, I, I would say though, in this uh, in this upcoming election coming up, are there any things that you think that we should um, be on the lookout for as as prepare the people who go in to vote? Are there any measures that you see coming up that we should be uh, more interested in than any other ones? I just wish that it was not an election where we don't have anyone opposing, because when you don't have an opponent, you you can feel more relaxed about not paying attention to the needs of the people. Okay. But you know, so hopefully there'll be a candidate that would come up to that. You know, we can look at him and say, okay, well, you know, we can trust that what this uh, this candidate will represent us. But when there's no one opposing you, you know, you kind of like. I, I just don't believe in a democracy with no choice. That, choice. That's just it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, uh, as much as uh, as much as I didn't, you know, as much as people thought that Shaka Zulu wasn't really uh, worthwhile, one thing that Shaka Zulu did during the race was make everybody look at what was going on. But that even when you look at that election, though, it was just, like, so political. All these people came out to oppose, and then to the very end, uh, they all just jumped on, on the Tony Hart bandwagon. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, people have to have some some ethics. Yeah, some type of integrity, some right? Some integrity. Yeah, they have to have some integrity. Yeah, some integrity, right? That's why, mm-hmm. you know, some integrity. That's why I, I, try to tell, I try to tell family. I said, listen, family. You, you. The one good thing is that you. It looked like you got integrity. Mm-hmm. One good thing. It looked like you got integrity. Now don't jump over there on that ship. And he jumped That's over right. there on that ship. He jumped on that ship and got him a little cushy. Thought he had a cushy, cushy. And one week in, you out. And, and that's what happened. You know, people uh, figured they would get some jobs and stuff, and so they just switched up. You know. Mm-hmm. Of, of being about the people. Yep, and and that's so, what you know. And you know, you you're saying that that, and that's I definitely think that one of the uh, one of the things we also have to uh, make sure that is out there is that that there's some type of opposing candidate that the people know that we need an opposing candidate. Somebody got to oppose. You and know, some, someone who's going to be responsive to us, who's not going to say, "Oh, you can have that Q house," and then just 
years past, you still ain't, you still don't have nothing, but yet you're going to still uh, trust in that person. Or someone that you see building all these luxury apartments when you know that people in, uh, the people that live in this community all their lives are not going to be able to afford to live there, that they're, they're actually siding with the gentrification of New Haven. That's not responding to the people. And even no. when these officers slammed this girl in the street, and then to have your your administration saying we support police 100%, that's not being responsive to the community. Exactly. So the, the community going to blindly go back in and just keep voting people in that that show you that they don't really care too much about you? Or what are people going to do? I mean, it's, it's up to the people. And, you know, I think that that might be a... Uh... That might be a rallying point right there. Mm-hmm. Is her is the way that she blatantly just showed that listen, regardless to whom or what, I'm go I'm going with those who abuse you. Mm-hmm. You know, and I I think that this is the people. Yup. Yeah. What about the the back of the community? Mm-hmm. And she got in on our back over here. She got in mm-hmm. on our back over here. You know. I told the people in New Hallville, man, you got the you got the way to put them in or put them out, man. Mm-hmm. Straight up, you got we got we got it. They got to get New Hallville to go with them in order for them to to get across that line. Yeah. So, and so I think that that's one of the things that the strong points is going to have to be is that the rally around the fact that, that we still don't have a functional recreational center here in the community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the gun. We still have a outdoor gun range in the middle of the community, whilst there's mm-hmm. building more schools around that. You know, so we can because see suburbia that suburbia would not accept that that kind of representation. They just wouldn't. Would you know? I and, and you know, Queen, like like you said, it's it's partially our fault because we've just yeah. uh we've just accepted that this is the norm. We've accepted an abnormal situation as normal. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been normalized. That's why I say, yeah. like, people, when I talk about the gun range, I'm saying I talk to people in the community, and they and they pretty much forget that the gun range is there because you hear it so much yeah. that it's like, like, what? Like, what do you mean? Yeah. Like, oh, oh, all right, yeah, the gun range. The gun range here, okay. It's unbelievable what we accept as a people. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we'll be, we're pleased to have crumbs off the table. You know, we're we're going to opt out of that. That's why the reason that's the, the you know every every generation of Soto, you know the the, the energy change. Mm-hmm. We had a change of energy here in New Haven Definitely. about thirty years ago, thirty plus years ago. It was a change in the energy, little well, maybe forty mm-hmm. years ago, but it was, the energy had changed, mm-hmm. and so the the change in the energy is back, and that's what they're trying to stifle it before it get too great on them. Mm-hmm. But the thing that happened in Ferguson, one of the things that I think that we have to use is that the rallying cry that happened from Ferguson is that it, it reignited the spirit amongst the youth. Yeah. So I do see some of the younger ones coming out. So what we got to do is capture the spirit of Ferguson and push forward with that. You know, because mm-hmm. not only black men being murdered, they murdering black women outright. The black woman is up under a, a brutal attack right now. They want to make her, they want her to see, that you can also be done the same way as the black man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we definitely got to uh, learn that it's going to be policing of our own community, take some pointers mm-hmm. and tips off of these uh, small hats that live over there in the Edgewood Avenue area where they policing their own community. We have to do, we have to take some mm-hmm. of these uh, tips 
The high unemployment in the city of New Haven, yet the city of New Haven and Yale, who are the the biggest, you know, the largest employers, they mm-hmm. they are the, the 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 number of the employees are sixty to seventy percent people from the suburbs. What about jobs for the people within the city? Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't we just don't demand anything. Of our representative, we put these people in office, and yet we don't make any demands of them. We, I don't know. It's just like if somebody's a nice person, oh, let's let's get them elected because they're a nice, sweet person. It's it's not about nice and sweet when 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 you're talking about putting somebody who has the power to govern your life. It's not about who's nice. Nice. They gotta yeah, have more to you. offer than a smile. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's more than a smile. Another point about this incident with the 15-year-old, you know her, um, that kid, the, the officer's mom is a, uh, works in the city of New Haven as a teacher. Now, this mom is proud because she had a son. She's proud of her son. If you're proud of a, of a grown man slamming a 15-year-old girl in the ground, what do you think about our kids? Exactly. Yeah. And you're a teacher in New Haven, and she's proud of what her son did. I just had a conversation. They have um, they have people walking into the community right now who are scanning the New Haven community, talking about the disparity and um, you know the the, the uh, education disparity, the education mm-hmm. gap, right? So they they polling people in the community. So one of them walked up on me today, and I'm like, yo, listen, you know, what's the problem with the school? I said the problem with the school is that we got too many middle class white women teaching our children. Mm-hmm. The white man and looked at me whole. Them our history. No, they, I said how can and then he he wants you know and I'm like listen you know you said what's wrong with the system, and honestly I have to say there's nothing wrong with the system. It was built to do what it's doing. Yes, sir. So, now exactly. we have to look at it like that. It's built to and, do and what it's what doing. That's what it is. Yeah, and so yeah. anything else. We, you know, anything else we think, we're, we're creating a fallacy in our own mind to think that it's broken. I'm like, the system is not broken, nor is it flawed. So there's nothing that we can do to change it. It's already mm-hmm. working like they want it to work, you know. And, yeah. and like I said, we have, to, we have to get away from letting middle-class white women teach our babies. They are mm-hmm. not going to, they are not going to teach our children correctly. And they don't care about them. You know, you wonder where you get a you wonder where you get a racist male cop from, mm-hmm. from his racist mama who at mm-hmm. the school teaching our baby. Mm-hmm. It don't care nothing about him, so you won't be wondering why our baby's flunking out, or mm-hmm. skipping school. Feel like yo, there's no reason for me to be here at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, they have and that's no expectations of our kids. They're not going to teach our kids to be black and proud. No, uh, not at all. Because it would be against their own, and, and like I said, it would be against their own good. That's why the, the curriculum is like it is. It, mm-hmm. would be, it would be against white progress to teach blacks to do for self because That's they right. need us on the bottom. So we got, it's a whole, it's, like you said, the, the system needs more than just a, a, a overhaul. It needs an upheaval, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, I'm saying that we definitely got some callers. Y'all lines are open right now if y'all want to uh, ask any questions. Well, um, Sister Barbara Fair, your lines are open. I don't know if our brother Minkara just uh, got back on the line or uh, 
see what's going on. We got a couple of Connecticut people in there. Uh, Sister Toya, I see you down there. Uh, if you want to come in and ask the sister a question, please do. Um, Black Power, I'm just coming in on the. I've been. I was supposed to listen to it when it first started, but I'm just coming in, so I'm just catching up on what I've been talking about. But power to the sister and keep doing the good work. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, sister. As I said, like I said, sister Phil, one of the things is that the people like to at least one thing that I know is is that we all in we all in this situation. Mm-hmm. So if you can hear somebody else putting uh you know putting up a good fight, it gives you that energy for tomorrow. You know what? You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna be ready to take over the world. It's gonna give you that that energy to go ahead mm-hmm. and put up that good fight also. Yep. So. You know that's why we like to connect. And normally this is a normally this is a think tank day. You know where we get in and, and we pull a subject up and, and we go through it and figure out what's the best way that we can go ahead and attack this. And I definitely look forward to um, coming to uh, coming to the the town rally down at the Stetson um, Library because one thing that I, I definitely know is that we need an objective. Yes. Yeah. And, and I definitely would welcome you to come back any point in time. So, uh, because a lot of the things that you're doing, I think that we can we can come together and find some clear objectives that we can buckle down on and, we, and and focus on and be able to really make some type of change. Just say, listen, we just we have to change in this right here, and that's, that's it. Let's right. just go after this one thing right here and and, and move it. And I and I definitely think that we, uh, it it'd be greater than how we normally just frantic after every single cause that's out there. Like we uh-huh. we feel like we got to be on every single thing. That's right. Focus you know, your energy. That's what I had to do. Yeah, exactly. Now that's why I understand when you said that you couldn't really deal with an organization, but just had to go about it how you do with dealing uh-huh. with people. You know, yeah, because it's too much. There's too many issues going on, and I was trying to be um, there, supporting everything that was out there from from education to youth violence to the kids getting kicked out of school to criminal justice to prison, and 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 after a while, I said, you know what, I'm going to get burnt out if I don't refocus my energy and try to zero in on one specific thing. But from time to time, you know, still trying to support other. Uh, groups and what they're doing, because now, the only way we're gonna make any change is when we learn how to unite. No, de- no definitely. We gotta, uh-huh. you know, that unity is, is is needed. And one of the things, yeah. though, like what what you're saying, though, is that everybody is is everybody is not specifically geared for every single issue. Right, right. And so you take the issue as you need to take it. But one of the things that we have to also be mindful of is allowing other people to set our agenda or set what we should be talking Mm -hmm. about. You know, they set up the context. uh, Yeah, or have uh, other people outside our community decide who our leaders should be. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. huge in New Haven because they'll have meetings um, and, you know, outsiders will have meetings with certain people in the community because those are their select people. And we can't allow other people to tell us who our leaders should be. We mm-hmm. we can we can pick our own leaders. We 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 we're smart enough for that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we gotta get, we gotta do away with Negroism. And one yeah. way to do away with Negroism is that when you see a Negro, you put him on blast. That's one thing that I learned. A Negro, hold up, wait a minute, man. That sounds like 
handkerchief headism. Sound like mm-hmm. you got niggeritis or crackatosis. Sound like you got some crackatosis over there. You sound real <laughs> quite white around the mouth right now, man. You talking real white around the mouth. I don't know what it is. <laughs> But something going on with you. But, you, you know, we, we definitely have to. And that's something that I, I and, I'm, and I'm saying that is because I found that, you know, I checked a couple of Negro leaders uh, a couple times, you know, and, and namely I checked uh, Donald Morrison one day in front of a whole crowd of people. And what, uh-huh. and what I found is that the people, people, they will listen to a person, but they sometimes they already be feeling like somebody a little off. And when you check them right, they come about and say, you know, I always felt like something was wrong with him. I just didn't know. I just didn't get away from it, you know, and, and that's what you got to do. So they'll move on. Yeah. We got our people stuck. They stuck in what? That they don't need to be stuck behind uh, uh, pseudo leaders, moving into uh, personality cults. That's what that's what we got, Pers- a lot mm-hmm. of personality cults, because that's yeah. what you're talking about with, with these religious leaders. They They are just a charismatic personality that just moves the people to do whatever they want them to do. And a lot of the, um, you know, like when you talked about the ordinance, the ordinance understand that a lot of them getting elected is wrapped up in the people who go to the church. Mm-hmm. And the unions. The unions mm-hmm. have uh, per, pretty much got a lot of the uh, alders in office. Office, yep, true indeed, yep. So they're you know, the to them. And that's why Yale can just about get anything it wants in this city. Right. Because a lot of them are Yale employees. They can let them buy us. They can let them buy a street, man. Ain't gotta pay no taxes on shit no more. <laughs> Definitely, I understand where you. I understand where you're coming from. Oh man, this is it, it, it's amazing how the politics of New Haven, and um, you know, the more that you dig into it, the, the you know, the slimier that you see that it is. And it's uh, definitely a thing that once you understand how politics are played, you normally don't want to get elected into office. No matter yep. what. Yep. You normally look outside, you're like, yo, I don't. Once you really understand, you realize that going in there is not going to fix it. I'm going to go in there and get caught in the trap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a trap in there. That's, that's something you always have to fight, going into those systems. Because yeah. it's so entrenched. And before you know it, you 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 have become a part of the system and, and, and a gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. As opposed to trying to dismantle it. Mentally, yeah, you know, I and I, I thought about that my own self. I thought about that going in to go at least be the order, and I thought mm-hmm. about the state rep. And I had people in the community who was willing to to help me out. A couple of the aldermen were willing to help me if I wanted to become the state rep. Mm-hmm. But, but one of the things was is that I looked and I said, no, you know, this is too slimy. Y'all dealing, y'all deal too crooked. And I come from a different type of crowd where the crookedness, the way that y'all play, I come from a different people. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, I'm not going to like how you play in your game, and I'm going to want to do something to you. Right. And, and compromising the people. Yeah. See, legislators do a lot of that, compromising the people. Yeah. And to I get something and that they gonna, want. Yeah, I'm not going to like that. And, you know, we're going to – and, you know, politics is just a dirty game. They always try to, you know, they are, it's a dirty game. And I, and I don't like to play in games like that because you you say something or do something that's out of line to me, and I'm going to really, I'm, I'm going to take it the wrong way. I might see you at, I might see you in the hall and slap fire out you. Like, <laughs> and, you know, I was supposed to win in here, and I was, all I was supposed to do was just start speaking rhetoric. And I'm messing around and then came up on you and had to slap the shit out you because you were in here talking crazy. 
Uh-huh. And so that that's one of the things that I had to I wanted to stay away from is doing something like that. So I had to stray away from the political realm. But I definitely was thinking about it, but understanding how the union here works in New Haven, that that's uh you know, you gotta have a you gotta have a little army. You gotta have mm-hmm. a little army, you gotta be willing to fight, man. You gotta be willing to fight 'cause it's it's hundreds of millions of dollars going mm-hmm. through the city. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things that people gotta understand that when you become the mayor it's you're in control of hundreds of millions of dollars yeah. worth of contracts. And so with these contracts, you know, you got people who bidding for this and vying for these things. So they want certain people in. So when you want to put up a strong uh, fight against that, you got just to be wary of what's going on and get you together, a nice little army uh, uh, to surround you, some people that you can trust that's going to just protect you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But. Uh, Miss Fair, if, if, let me let me think. Is there anything else that you want to you know just want to put into the family? Uh, I don't know if, uh, if we got any more questions. We do got people on the line. Like I said, I open up the line so the lines are open. So if the people want to ask any questions, uh, please do before the queen get off and she uh, goes ahead and uh, give us the um, any other announcements that she has. And you know we just want to make sure that we reiterate. Of some of the announcements, so the people can definitely get out. Also, hold up before you do that though. Is there, there was a uh, a, a thing that you went to. Is there? Is this every Thursday with the police? Yes, every Thursday at uh, between ten and twelve um, on the fourth floor at the police department, and they they you know they all sit around and talk about crime in the city, you know what they're investigating, that kind of thing. And and it's open to the public, so the public can actually come in and have some things to say. But, you know, you rarely see that happen, but, you know, these are some of the things that we need to do. Mm. All right. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. That's definitely a place that if you're looking to at least be able to go in there and your presence counts. Mm-hmm. You're, even if you don't say nothing, but, but by you sitting yeah, there, just being there, go there. That's why they don't respect like, the community. Y'all go in there and act like you're taking notes. Every time somebody mm-hmm. says something, you look at, just look at them and just start writing. Like, hold on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just start writing on the paper. Hmm. You know, that's who, who said that? Hmm. Let me see. You know, and, that, and that's what you do because you want to you wanna make them feel like somebody is at least taking account of what's going on so they yeah. can start, so they can think twice about before they pull certain shit on us in the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's something that I, I always advocate. And even the um like uh the automatic meetings, any meetings that are open, yeah. even if you don't even if you don't want to say anything, bring a pad and bring a pencil and pretend if you don't want to write notes, pretend that you write in notes every once in a while, look at one of them a little strange and look right down at your paper and write something down. Because you want them to, you want you, you got to make them feel that pressure. You got to make them feel some type of pressure. You know, at at least at the, at least what it does is at night they ain't gonna be able to sleep. They gonna know something. Oh man, I wonder what they gonna be wondering what you wrote down at the least. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, (laughs) you would at least care with that. We got to give them some type of fear, something, something that they feel like. Well, they might be able to do something to me about something that I said. Yes. And, you know, everybody can't do everything, but everybody can do something. Mm-hmm. Like I said, when they're trying to pass laws, if you can't go to Harvard, you can write a letter, 
You can send an email. I mean, you can make a phone call. There's, there's something you can do. But to um, just sit back and just let other people govern your life, it's, it, that's just insanity to me. Well, listen, Sister, Sister Fair, I'm going to tell you uh, something going on right here on this radio show is that one of the brothers, we spoke about this before, is that we were, we were striving to make this more uh, seven days a week, 24 hours. And so what we wanted to do is uh, we wanted to put on just a New Haven, uh, uh, just a show with New Haven, new things going on in Connecticut exclusively mm-hmm. because normally we deal with a range of things nationally, internationally, uh, subjects. But we wanted to have, you know, the hosts be able to all get a certain time. And I definitely think that it would be wonderful for you, to, for you to be able to come in. Uh, I'll speak to you later on, but to get you to come in, and, you know, try to get you in once a week just to give an update, you know, and just, uh, you know, maybe 30 minutes or so where you better just come on and talk to the people about things that's going on, places mm-hmm. that they should never get to. And we just try to build up a new, uh, a, a general New Haven audience. You know, mm-hmm. I know you connected with some of the people in some of these groups on Facebook and things like that, where we got to get, you know, there's a lot of people. We got thousands of members of different groups. Mm-hmm. And if we can get 10% of them to do certain things, then we good. You know, everybody don't got to yeah. be at every rally, but everybody mm-hmm. should at least be giving up the information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, definitely, if you want to go ahead, though, if you want to go ahead again and just give out um, – any meetings coming up in in the future, and, and we'll go from there. And uh, we don't have any questions. You know, that's about all that I had to ask you. I'm, uh, I'm trying to think of any other things. I know you talked about the prison system. We talked about you coming up, uh, the different things that you've seen. How was it? How was it growing up here in New Haven during the Black Panther era? Um, I was very young then, but I remember being impressed by them. I don't know, I just think I've always had this rebel in me, uh, <laughs> even growing up. So, you know, they 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 impressed me. I remember when Bobby Seale was here and he was on trial and the Panthers came from all over the country and they closed um, downtown, city downtown. Now they was, all the businesses shut up early because they was uh, in fear. And I remember the riots that were going on around that time and, so, yeah, it, it was a good time in, in, in New Haven. It was, it, men stood up, men and women stood up and fought back. And I, I don't know, I just don't see that fight anymore. I don't know what happened to it. But I'm, you know, always hopeful that it will come back. Because yeah. if it doesn't, we just continue to be third-class citizens. Uh, we we plan on it coming back. They thought they killed. They sure they thought they killed us. You you said it in '71 when they hit us with that war on drugs. That's what they did to us. They hit us with the, the dope. They hit us with uh-huh. dope and crack, and uh-huh. that they really got rid of us. But you uh-huh. know we done, we bouncing back. We bouncing back slowly but surely. We bouncing back from the crack era. Right now we uh-huh. dealing with like we dealing like with second generation crack babies right now uh-huh. coming up. But we bouncing back from that. They. You know, what don't kill us makes us stronger. We're going to bounce back real hard. Mm-hmm. I certainly hope so. But yeah, let me yeah, tell yeah. you about the meeting, remind him about the meeting again before I go. Um, yeah. uh, April 18th uh, from 3 to 5 p.m. at the Stetson Library, 200 Dixel Avenue, uh, town meeting um, to discuss uh, policing um, in the city of New Haven. And so, you know, everyone's encouraged to um, come to it. Um, also uh, encouraging people, especially young people, 
to attend the play at Long Wharf Theater called Brownsville. It's there until the 19th, and they really want people to come um, so badly that they are giving out tickets for $5. And so um, I hope people will come out. It's a, a play uh, about hold on, when is, well, hold on. You said the, the play Brownsville. When did it start? It's already started? It started, it yeah, March 25th, and it's going to be playing until April 19th. And, and and that's that Long Wharf Theater. Right. And that's the play about the young man and how he got caught up in the crossfires of violence and ended up getting murdered. Someone who was on the right path, you know, working and, and, and planning and going to college and just got caught out. And so, you know, they ha- they show the play and then they have some uh, community discussion about the play afterwards. So I think it's, it'll be really, really interesting um, mm-hmm. for people to go see. And like I said, don't worry about the ticket amount because for that event, they're giving out tickets as, as low as $5 a piece. Yeah. So you know, hope people will show up for that. Yeah, my daughter, and actually my daughter and her aunt just went out to go see that. Maybe, oh, okay. Yeah, no, not more than, maybe about a week ago, last weekend. Mm-hmm. Last mm-hmm. weekend they went out to go see that, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brownsville, How did they like that, it? Did they say yeah, my daughter said she liked it. She said she liked yeah. it, and, uh, and she she gave me the story and the background on it. She said she liked the play. Yeah, so yeah. I said, all right. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I just proud. started going to plays last year because I've never really paid attention to Long Wharf Theater as long as it's been in New Haven. But I started going last year, and every play I've seen, uh, I left there just in, in awe of the talent and the stories that they tell. So I advise, you know, I encourage people to, to go see this play. You might end up being like me, going to more and more plays. <laughs> definitely, definitely. But yeah, yeah, go out. Um, uh, as the queen said, you know, it was it was a, a good story. As my daughter, uh, as as well as she conveyed it to me, um, she said it was good. She liked it. So at least I know that the youth would be interested in it. She's thirteen, and if she could, if it held her attention well enough. Oh yeah, come back yeah. and give me the storyline. Hey, listen, definitely get out there. That's at the Long Wharf Theater. If you, uh, you know, if you get around, uh, check it to, you know, put it in your Google Brownsville, uh, Long Wharf Theater, New Haven. Check out some of the show times, and as and as you said, you can get a ticket as cheap as five dollars. So it's something that uh, is affordable for the whole family to come out and have a night out, yeah. uh, you know, at the theater. Mm-hmm. So, well, um, Brother Byrne, I'm going to have to uh, end this uh, conversation, but it's, uh, I really appreciate you having me on as a guest, and it was nice, you know, um, talking to the the people who called in and asked questions, and, and I look forward to doing it again. No, definitely. Thank you very much for coming in. I was I was going to wrap up, too, around the mm-hmm. time I know. I, you know, everybody in the night out. I know we got a lot of things going on yeah. in the morning. But, uh, <laughs> right. Thank you very, thank you very much, though, for for coming okay. in. Um, you know, the, the queen here has, uh, you know, she has a large family. She putting their family out there. How how many babies you got? You got up to five. How many well, I had eleven. I have thirty grandchildren and. Um, I have thirty. I mean, three great grands, and I have another great grand that's due Saturday. So and uh, they keep me alive and well and young. So that's I like power. Right? In my whole world. You see that? That's black power, right? She said, "Look, now, look. If y'all ain't going, if, if I can't correct it, I'll build my whole 
I'll build my own tribe to do it correct. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's black power right there, though. That that yeah. is. And, and, and I start, I've had my grandkids out there going to legislative hearings, protests, and all that when they was as young as four and five years old. So they're growing up in protests. No, definitely. I see. I want one. no Negroes in my family, if I can help it. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. Well, listen, Queen, thank you very much for coming out. And, um, you know, we definitely will do this again. As I said, okay. uh, I'll get I'll get at you on the on the back lines and we can see what we can work together to get, a, get at least some type like newsletter out and see if mm-hmm. I'm coming on, you know, maybe once every two weeks or something just to give information to the people and let them know what's going on in the community. Okay, then. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Thank you see again. You soon. Okay. Bye. Uh, all right, y'all, Black Power. That was our that was our queen, Sister Barbara Fair came in to you know bless us with a little bit of information and some inspiration, and you know we just listened to the queen give us a a, a little overview of some of the things that she got going on in New Haven as a community. You know, I definitely thank her for coming out. I like to thank. Everybody else for coming out, all the audience members. And see, does anybody got anything they wanted to add on before we close off on this uh, short interview night on this Think Tank Thursday? That's all I like to add. The uh, sister was, uh, gave some serious information, and I love the connection that she made from the civil rights movement to 1971, the passage of the, you know, the war on drugs with Nixon. And when you think about it, you got the Voters' Right Act and the uh, Civil Rights Bill. That's what, 63, 65, 64, 65? So that's what, just six years later. Wait a minute. You know? Mm-hmm. Six years mm-hmm. Yeah. So... You know, she gave that. You know, definitely, that was a, a nice piece of history. And and, and um, 1971, and that all, like like you said, in a 10 year span, right there from 1965 to 1975, it was just like they just threw a rack of shit on us real quick. They gave us the, you know, they gave us the okey doke. What they what they call that, the sleight of hand. They show you one thing. They gave us, they made us think they was giving us some voter rights over here, but on the other side, they was giving us some whole other shit. Uh-huh. We got some welfare, we got some prison reform, we got some all, all this shit right here. A lot of dope, too, for you. So you ain't going to know how to vote anyway after we get you high out your minds. We ain't worried about you voting. But definitely, they don't forget. They never stop. And like you just said, they give with one hand, take with the other. And that's what we must remember about the crack of Yeah. I'll say. But again, I'd like to thank everybody for coming out. You know, it's been a, a wonderful night. I, I definitely thank the Sister Barbara Fair for coming out. She, uh, as, as from what I know, she's always been somebody who's been into the field. She's been putting in that work. She, she got a family that's been in and out, incarcerated, also out there in the field. So, you know, she's not somebody who just coming from it from a perspective of not knowing what's going on, but also being hands-on. We own family, so you know it's always good to have those community people uh, uh, come on. And plus, her being a new, uh, older elder, you know, 
when you you know when they get to their older elder status, you know, or up of fifty five, sixty, you know, when they get up in there, you know, they really should have no reason to have to be out on the front line. But we see that she's still there, putting in the fight, and want y'all, you, and want us, myself, the young elders, and you to get out there and let's rally around there and rally around the call. You know, when it's being put out there, at the least, you know, let's make a presence and just let her know that, look, if you're not there to protest, just just let the people know that you ain't going to harm the ones who are, especially not these queens out here, not the babies. You ain't going to harm the ones who are. That's what we out here for. So with that being said, I'd like to uh, say praise Nat Turner, glory to Garvey, long live the spirit of Dr. Khaled Abdul Muhammad, praise Harriet Tubman. Glory to Ida B. Wells, long live the sister of Fanny Lou Hamer, or BB Fodier. Cracker in the trunk. House nigga, too. Uh, as usual, Brother Little, it, it, it got to go out like that, right? Oh, yeah. You know, it got to do that for us, right? Now, today, it don't, want, it don't want to end right, right then and then. Look at that. It only, it only end when you ain't on the line. And you're saying, I got to play that. Y'all, Saturday, we might have to throw the crack in the trunk. I'm going to throw the crack in the trunk on. Yeah, definitely. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.